Our hearts for uh, Pastor uh, Eric Mason. Usually they do it while I'm talking. Prepare your hearts for giving. Everybody that wanted to give, if anybody was missing the offering, if you would hold that up and one of our people will grab that from you. Nobody was missed? All right, all right. Let's pray and then we're going to dive in. Father God, we thank you for the ability to give. Um, we ultimately know that you are the giver and we are the receivers. However, we're reminded in our, um, in our receiving, Lord God, that we ought to give to you, and we ought to give as you have prospered us, Lord. And so I pray that you would continue to help us to have unique situations where you provide for us so that we can see the need to be uh, offensive in our giving to the kingdom, Lord God. Help our giving to be from the heart, from a true passion, Lord God. And we pray you do promise in your word that if we sow sparingly, we'll reap sparingly. And so, Lord God, help us to sow abundantly, Lord God. First off, because it's a good thing to do kingdom-wise, but then also because you do have a promise behind it. Now, Lord, as we dive into the scriptures, Lord God, we thank you for the word of God. Lord God, thank you for such a compass. Thank you for such a powerful, powerful compass that allows us, God, to... To, to not just go through this earth in the darkness. But, Lord God, we can, we can basically have every area of our lives specifically spoken to through the word of God. Thank you for the nutrients. Thank you for the value in the word, Lord God. And so, as the word is preached today, help the word to be accurate. Help it to be intellectually engaging. Help it to be um, a, a, a heart uh, bringing passion of the heart, Lord God. Help us to be willing to live it out, Lord, but most of all, help us to be Christ-centered and theocentric and God-glorifying. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Yeah, it's okay to clap. It's okay to clap. It's okay to clap. Yeah. To the Lord our God. We, are, um, we, we had a good time. How many of y'all enjoyed State of the Church last week? Yeah, we, we're, really, we're really hoping that can be an annual thing, and we're, we're also hoping that um, we're going to post it on the internet. So those of you who did not see it, you'll be able to see uh, the video on the internet of the state of the church. And it'll be something you can kind of just dive into. So if you want to know um, what we're about and where we're trying to go, you can, you can utilize that as a, um, as a compass for that. Um, in the next few weeks, there's a lot going on um, that we're going to continue to 
keep your minds abreast of. And so we're looking forward to how God continues to develop us as a, a particular community, a particular community in that um, God wanting us to live out what he's called all the, the global church to live out, the global church that calls on the name of Jesus Christ to live out, but living it out to a partic- in a particular place, to a particular uh, people for God's particular purses, purposes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, today's message, we're back in John, and we're going to we'll finish up the last half of this chapter. Um, not the whole thing. Maybe a few verses will be left. Uh, I'll leave some for Pastor Deuce for next week so he can chop up the last part of this chapter. Um, but this, this chapter has been a wonderful, wonderful chapter for me and a, 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 just a good reminder to me in so many areas. But not only a reminder, um, it, it, it also sparked in me um, some, some concerns. It, it not only sparked in me some concerns, um, but some willingness to do something about those concerns. Um, what we're going to talk about today kind of reminds me of when, when I always see someone I haven't seen in a long time. I've been out of college for... I'm 10 years and um, been out of college for a minute. And every time I see a college buddy, you know, the first thing that we, the first thing that we ask each other is we always ask each other, you know, what's going on these days? And people will be like, oh, man, you know, after college, I was boom, 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 boom. Then they walk through the next phase of life and the next phase of life. Then they'll tell you what they're doing and where they're going. And, and I always like to ask people, you know, what's going on these days in their life because when people are asked that question, you can kind of see what they're pursuing. You can not only see what they're pursuing, but you can see what they're wishing for. In other words, how are they rigging their lives after something, and what are they rigging their lives for? Because everybody is, is rigging and setting up their life for something. Everybody in here is wishing for something. Um, we, we have re- religious wishes. We have physical uh, wishes. We have um, marital wishes, we have financial wishes, we have physique wishes, amen. We have, we have, all, we have all types of wishes. And, and, and Jesus in our passage today attacks our wishes. And he doesn't just attach, attack them, he, he wants to make sure that our wishes are properly in line with the right stuff. Because he doesn't have a problem with us wishing. He doesn't have a problem with us dreaming. He doesn't have a problem with our PowerPoint presentations, our business plans, um, our journal entries. He he doesn't have a problem with all of that stuff. But but what he does have a problem with is whether or not those things flow out of particular things that he cares about. And so Jesus, in this passage, attacks that. And I'm, I'm, I'm even fidgety. Because even during this time in a book that's been really, really, I mean, if you, if you can get this book, it's The Dynamics of Spiritual Life by, um, by Richard F. Lovelace. And, and he's been helping me to think through movements. And I'm in this section of this book where he's talking about different movements of Christianity over different periods. And over the different periods, he talks about the Great Awakenings. He talks about, he talks about not only the Great Awakenings, but he also talks about the Reformation. He talks about revival movements. One of the things that he says that, that he talks about about these revival movements, he says that the things that made these revival movements Dope weren't their forms, in other words, how they expressed their Christianity in their dress and in their worship style. He, he said, he said that, that wasn't it. He said the thing, that made, the thing that made these revivals was the nutrition of God pouring into their heart, the gap between him and them, spurring in their heart a passion for repentance and spiritual renewal. And, I, and, and I'm afraid that in this time that we're, we're so high on our, our, our hip-hopness, we're so high on our, our post modernity, we're so high on forms that we could, we could have wishes for what we want the Christian life to be like, but it's, but it's in, in, indebitably divorced from the nutrients of God. And so Jesus in this passage, he does a beautiful thing. He begins to get with the people that have particular wishes to walk them through his, their wishes to get them to where God wants them to be. And so in this bread of life narrative, we're still, we're still in the book of John, Jesus Christ Unplugged. Just for a little while, if I, I'd like to take for a topic, trivial pursuit. Trivial pursuit. 
in, 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 the, in the latter verses of this, in verses 26 through about the 28th verse, it says, And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you, for on him the Father, even God, has set his seal, that they said therefore to him, what work shall, what shall we do? What may we work? What work may we work to work the works of God? Jesus has just fed 20 to 25,000 people. Jesus has done a miracle. Jesus basically um, got, got a few fishes and five loaves of bread, and he began to disperse them out, and miraculously, God supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the hands of Jesus Christ, fed them bread and fish, and he began to just hand it out, and Jesus handed out, I don't know how many it took to feed everybody, but let's just say everybody got a piece of fish. It was probably counting women and children. If it was 20 to 25,000 people, if, if the I don't know what the size of the fish, fish were, but it was 25,000 probably pieces of fish and, and bread loaves that, that were handed out to all of these people, and people were so smitten by the fact that Jesus had done a sign that they, that, that Jesus' sign reminded them of something, and the Bible says that they tried to make him king, and they tried to make him king, but Jesus shunned being king because he had issues with the fact that they were making him king based on their format of their own wishes rather than allowing him to inject in them God's wishes. And so he goes here and he begins to explain to them something, and that brings us to, to our first point. Jesus exposes our faulty pursuits. Jesus exposes our faulty pursuit. Jesus says, you didn't, you didn't really want to get with me. You didn't really want to get with me. You wanted what I had for you. You wanted what I can make available on a material level, but you don't want to be influenced by me on a spiritual level. And, and, and so what Jesus does is he gets with the people and, and he says, you saw the signs, but, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled, because you were satisfied. He said, do not work for food which perishes. That word there, perishes, is an interesting word. It means to spoil. It means to cease to exist. It means to get lost. In other words, they had a materialistic view of the kingdom. A materialistic view of the kingdom. So when Jesus Christ is trying to get them to shoot higher and deeper, they shot too low. They shot too low. They shot for temporal gain rather than the gain that Jesus Christ wanted to give them. What perishing bread are you seeking for? What perishing bread are you seeking for? See, the, the, the bread that they were looking for was the same bread that was provided in the wilderness. And if you look back over in Exodus 16 and you look over at Numbers chapter 11, that bread came down. But then if, if, you did, if they didn't pick it all up that day, what happened was it would spoil, it would destroy. But what God set things up to do is for when the sun came out, that that bread would be able to melt. But because they had gotten greedy, the bread had began to spoil. So Jesus says... Don't search for stuff that spoils. Don't just look for material gain. Don't just look for stuff that's just for this time period. But I want you to begin to look to a bigger, a bigger format of God. So what, what, what perishing bread are you searching for? Everybody has a bread. Everybody. Man's approval could be a bread. To stand in the spotlight of, of human shine could be bread. Wanting to be loved can be bread. Wanting to be loved, doing anything, anywhere, with anybody to get loved. Perishing bread. And then they step off of you because they weren't really able to give the full span of nutrients that you were really looking for. Temporal bread. Being liked. Doing anything around people just to be like your, your, your esteem, your, your spiritual esteem and lack of identity in Christ is so low that you'll do anything for anybody to be liked. You'll try to be the life of the party. You'll, you'll drive. Uh, you'll do things that not motivated by Christian love, but that's motivated by selfish passion for people to like you. Buzz. 
Buzz can be bread for you. You like, you like for your name to be out there. Personal comfort. Personal comfort might be your bread. In other words, rigging your life in such a way that it's based on comfort and not sacrifice. What's your bread today? Looking at other people's lives, at lives and as a roadmap to success without examining how they got there. What's your bread today? Looking at other people's lives and said, man, that's the goal that I want to get to. That's what type of life that I want to get to. But not understanding the format on which that person used to get to that place, perishing bread. It can be trying to find a perfect mate. It could, even, it could be even in theological education. It could be in spiritual or religious experiences, whether they're experiences that are purely emotional or experiences that are, are purely intellectual. Everybody has bread. It could be being cool. Matter of fact, it could be Christian community. See, Christian community that isn't injected with Christocentrism, listen, that's, that, that's with just being around each other, with just having fun, could be perishing bread. See, Jesus wants, listen, Jesus wants to explode, expose the limitations, listen, that we place on our lives by seeking after things that only can take care of us for a little while. And Jesus, all, he, listen, he always want to infiltrate it because he says, the reason why your spiritual stomach is still uh, growling, the reason why you're still in need is because you've been seeking after things that have been keeping you hungry. So what's your bread today? What's your bread today? What's the thing in your life? What's the thing in your life that you're seeking for? These people were seeking out material gain. What, have you, what are you seeking for in your life that you're looking for to fulfill and fill you for a lifetime, but that thing or that person or that place, it keeps letting you down. And Jesus exposes it. And they said to him, therefore, he says, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? He said, and he, they basically say, look, you tell us what it is. It's no work that's too hard. We can get on the grind for it. And we, and, and we live in a grind culture where people are willing to work. Everybody, we got shows like Driven. We, we got magazines that show what people did to get to a certain place. You got the movie Dream Girls with homegirl Jennifer who just jumped on the spot and was able to blow up extreme. I mean, we have all types of examples in our society of people willing to work for it. But Jesus says, listen, listen to how Jesus responds to them. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. Jesus says at the crux, if you really want to get the nutrients that, that, I, that I provide within your trivial pursuits, what you need to do, listen, what you need to do is have belief in me. Now, that sounds like a real, real low shelf thing, not too deep, doesn't have too much depth. But he says, listen, everything that you tried to work for on your own has left you hungry. But if you come to me, I will nurture you in a brand spanking new way where you don't even have to worry about that anymore. He says, belief, belief in me. The children of Israel in this passage, which they're looking back at, they got fed for 40 years the same bread. And that same bread kept them going out and gathering more and gathering more to eat. God used the bread in the wilderness for the children of Israel to point them to something bigger. In other words, you went out, I provided it for you, and you went out and you got that bread, and you ate that bread, you digested that bread. It nurtured you for a little while, but it sent you right back out over and over and over and over again for more bread. Matter of fact, they got so frustrated with the bread that they said, God, I'm sick of this bread bread. God, I want you to provide something new. We want some meat. Don't we want some meat? Everybody said, yeah, we want some meat. And so he said, he said, yeah, what's up? Let's go to Moses and trip out on Moses because we want more than what you can provide. In other words, when you just have materialistic appetites, when you just have earthly appetites, you're always going to be demanding from God more and more and more and more. Listen, and the world and the enemy will provide it. And sometimes God will provide it. God will, God will blow you up. God will give you buzz. God will give you the relationship you like. God will many times provide for you the very thing that you're asking for for a 
for a specific purpose. And he'll provide that thing and allow it to run out. I mean, he'll allow it to be better than anything that you've ever experienced in your life. And what he'll do is he'll provide it just so you can see the limitations that's on it. Because some, some things that we say, well, God blessed me with it. Yeah, he did. He did, but it was to show you something. Because, see, usually before God provides it, he'll warn you that, that this is not what you really want. He'll warn you, you, you don't really want that. Then you keep, Lord, I want it in Jesus. I, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name right now. Oh, I ask God that you would provide. And then you, I'll say, you know what? Cool. Cool. I'll give it to you. And God will allow it to be sweet as can be. He'll allow you to use it how you want to. And then when it runs out, he wants to see where you run to him or where you run for more. These people were greedy, y'all. They had trivial pursuits. They had, their, their pursuits were, were all over the place. They wanted to come to Jesus Christ and define for him what they want to pursue so that he could provide the things for them that they can pursue. But Jesus says, no. The pursuit that you must have is a pursuit after the one whom the Father has sent, and that's me. Jesus says, and he's going to say it several times. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God. Actually, God does the work, and you don't do the work. He says that you believe in him who he has sent. So do you want capital B-R-E-A-D, or do you want Small letter, B-R-E-A-D. There are two types of bread. There's bread that will run out, and there's bread that will never run out. And the question is, is the bread that Jesus wants to provide better bread to you than the bread that you're actually looking for? And we'll talk about that in a minute. But that brings us to our next point. Jesus presents himself as the apex of true pursuit. Jesus Christ presents himself as the apex of true pursuit. Many times in our lives, as we go through this passage, it says, it says right here, it says, number th- verse 30, it says, they said therefore to him, what then do you do for a sign that we may see and believe you? What work will you do and perform? Well, Jesus just fed 20,000 people, and they're asking for another sign. In other words, their greed is driving them. Jesus, they, they, they basically say to Jesus, listen. Like the people, like if you're going to get a house, if you're going to get a car, if you're going to get a credit card, one of the things that you have to fill out is a credit application. They ask Jesus to fill out a a credit application. They basically say, Jesus, there are some prerequisites. If you want our faith, if you want our lives, there's some prerequisites that that, that you have to um, fill out for us. In other words, many of us want God to fill out a credit application. In other words, okay, God, give me some examples. You know, give me your name. Lord, give me your address. Give me your number. Now, I need some references. And, God, the reason why I need these references, I need these references so that I can see if I give you my faith, I need, I need, I need something to let me know that you're actually going to do something. Many of us want God to provide the rewards of faith before we exercise faith. God, I'll walk by faith if you just first. Now nah, you first. Now nah, you first. Now nah, you first. Now nah, you first. Now nah, you. Some of us are afraid of God. We're, 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 so, we're afraid of faith. We believe that God will drop the bottom on us and leave us out to dry like the bread that we've sought out that haven't satisfied us. And so in our lives, We say, God, we want you to fill out an application today, and we need some prerequisites. We need some people and some situations that you provide. And we want God to provide all of the blessings before we'll walk in it, and that's not faith. That's not faith. That's not faith. God has been moving on many of you all's hearts to do some crazy things, to move in radical faith, to move in particular areas of life. But we're asking God, well, God, okay, if I move to this place or I do this, I need to know that I'm going to have some money. 
God, um, so, to, so, to shine, so, so the sign of money, um, show me that there's going to be a, 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 a job opportunity there, Lord God, first. Now, I need all this in the front. You know, I need, I need you to front load this thing, God. Um, I need to know what kind of car I'm going to be driving. Um, I need to know, you know, what type of gear I'm going to have. I mean, you got to provide some prerequisite signs. As I need some, you know, just in case things fall out, you know, we need some things that we can hold as a lien just in case you don't make payment. And, and, and Jesus, Jesus in the passage, he begins, to, he begins to talk about their appetites in a minute. But right here, Jesus wants to focus them in and fight against their trivial pursuits. And he expands the nature of what they should be pursuing. And they say, our fathers, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness as it is written, you know, it's in the Bible, Jesus, in Psalm 78, 24. It says, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. <laughs> and so they, they pull out a credit. They said, if you're really of God, Jesus, if this move of faith is really of God, Jesus, then what you need to do is you need to provide what's been provided for people before us. We, got, we did a credit check, and we found out that this is the way God usually does things. Now, since this is the way God usually does things, I want you to do it like this. But they didn't know that this bread right here was pointing to bigger bread. See, God allows those things that he provides to run out. It's, to, it's, it's, it's not just to be nasty or mean, but what God does with them is he uses those smaller experiences or signs or provisions to point to something bigger. Small letter B-R-E-A-D versus Capital letter, B-R-E-A-D. And Jesus answers them. Jesus answers their question all the way through the passage based on the order. He answers first. He gave them. He, uh, they, uh, then the second part of the passage, which we're going to go through, he answers the bread issue, what type of bread it was. Then he goes from the bread it was to eating. So he goes to who gave it, what type of bread is it, and what they did with it. Let me say that again. Who gave it, what type of bread it was, and that they ate it. Check it out. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he said, for real, I'm telling you. That's Jesus' way, that's the Bible way of saying it. He said, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread out of heaven. He says, for the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. He says, it's not merely earthly bread. He says, it's heavenly bread. It's eternal bread with eternal nutrients with satisfactory value. Long-term bread. God is thinking, like some of us are, are short thinkers. We, we, I mean, we think too low. We think too short. God is thinking comprehensively. God is thinking broad. I mean, you, you know, we're trying to make payments. God trying to pay for the whole deal. God is trying to do an, an, an entire overhaul of the universe, and we're thinking about materialistic overhaul of our personal lives. And Jesus says, listen, the bread that he said, the, he said, first off, Moses didn't provide the bread. The father provided the bread. God always, Jesus always wants, and God always wants us to know where provision comes from. Because if you understand where provision comes from, it will change the relationship you have with your expectations of how it's given and what's given. Because what happens is if man give it, you can only have manly expectations of what's given. But if God gives it, then God has particular expectations and the grain and the vitamins and the minerals of the bread that he gives is going to be on a whole nother level. But you got to actually like the bread that God going to provide. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Because you have to have your life transformed in a way where your taste buds are changed, where you'll actually like the bread. Because many of us, God has been providing heavenly bread, but we still have taste buds for earthly bread. And so Jesus, so Jesus does a banging word. He says, God, he said, God didn't, he said, Moses didn't provide this bread. He says, the Father, the Father provided this bread. Not small letter, B-R-E-A-D, but big letter, B-R-E-A-D. 
Jesus presents himself as the apex of true pursuit. Verse 35, he says, verse 34, they said, evermore, Lord, give us this bread. Verse 35, Jesus says to them, I am. Ego I me. Say ego I me. Oh, a beautiful term. We're going to hear all the way through the book of John. This is a funny terminology that Jesus is going to possibly get stoned for in chapter 8. Jesus makes a statement. He says, I am the bread. Oh, that's good news. I am points back to when Moses was standing before the burning bush. And when he was standing before the burning bush with his, with his sandals off on his knees, with, 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 with a cane, in front, a shepherd's hook in front of him, and, and he says, God, I stutter, I, I stutter, I, I, you know, nobody don't know me, I smell like sheep. You telling me to go all the way back to Egypt, and you mean to tell me that you want me to go out there and tell uh, two million people in front of another two million people that you want me to bring people out of Egypt? Who should I say sent me? I mean... There has to be some type of credibility. There has to be a name or something that I can use. I mean, I mean, something that holds weight with the people that I'm trying to free and something that holds weight with the people, listen, that, that, that are holding your people in bondage. What credibility, what type, of, what type of credit report can I give to them? And God, out from the burning bush, in the flaming bush that's not being consumed, he says, tell them, I am sent you. When Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he says, listen, you're looking to Moses to provide bread. But he says, I was the one looking Moses in the grill. He said, I was the one. He said, when manna was dropping from heaven, he said, I was sprinkling them nuggets from the clouds myself. He said, y'all, he said, you're looking. He said, I provided that bread from heaven, me and the Father got together and got out our eternal baskets and started dropping bread on you. But listen, it was only the point to ego I me. I am. Jesus says, listen, when, when I say I am the bread of life, he says, listen, I'm not providing bread that you have to continuously consume. Oh, my goodness. See, I am means that he, he always existed, he exists, and he will continually exist. If you put the, 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 the terminology, I am the bread of life, then that means when he drops his nutrients on you, when he drops capital B-R-E-A-D on you, it will have credit for you not hungering in a way where it will take credit for past, present, and future hungers. I, and do you really believe that, though? That sounds like good preaching. But do you really believe that God satisfies? When you look at all the stuff that you like for real, for real, for real, let's be for real, y'all, for real, for real. Do you really believe? Because if, if we really believed that we wouldn't have trivial pursuits. See, God doesn't have a problem with material things. He's a problem when you look for nutrients from them. See, if you're looking for them to feed you, if you're looking to, like, like, like most businesses, nice food spots, they get samples so you can come in and buy and so they can get you hooked. Like, I'm hooked on Denise's. I'm hooked. Man, the fried fish. Hallelujah. With the, with the, with the greens. The yams. Hallelujah. And potato salad. And that tea, then they got the nerve to have some peach cobbler. I mean, so you that's my bread. I ain't fronting. That's my bread. Everybody got bread. Some of your bread ain't physical bread in the sense of eating. Some of y'all people is your, your physical bread. And you've been going to that person, and you've been going to that person, and you've been going to that person, and you've been, and nothing has been taking place. And Jesus is saying, listen, you're running all over the place to be satisfied for what I've been wanting to eternally offer forever. And man, I, I, I fight it every day, y'all. 
I fight. It's a fight. It's a fight to want God's bread. It's a fight because we live, we have indwelling sin, and in having indwelling sin and, and still fallen passions and fallen desires and fallen ideals, it's mad easy to not see the eternal bread for what it is. Because if you continue in to eat and you continue, like sometimes I say, God, I ain't going to eat the whole meal. I'm just going to snack on earthly bread. And little did I know that earthly bread is like crack to indwelling sin. Just one puff. We thought it'd be one puff. Next thing you know, we fiends and our lives, see, 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 our lives are controlled by the crack of earthly bread. I remember when, when I was growing up and, and, and crack hit the scene. I was like, look, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm just do the, the Mad Dog 2020 and, and some weed. I said, Cass was, Cass was like, oh, I'm going to just hit this. Man, dudes took a little bit of smoke or crack and, man, dudes, dude, you know, just different. I mean, crack had cats on lock. On lock. They said, man, man, homie was on the, I remember dude, he was a businessman. Man was around the neighborhood, didn't even know his name, fam. Would do anything for it. Would give his body for it. Would, would, would do things for drug dealers for, would steal stuff for. In other words, crack had his life hooked. Many of us, we're the same thing. The earthly bread is our crack. And God, listen, and Jesus is standing there. He's standing there with the rehabilitation uh, a, a chamber called the bread of life. And he's, he's wanting to give, they say, evermore give me this bread. And he says, I am the bread. I am the bread. We're going to talk about what that looks like. But he said, I am the bread. We got to fight through it, y'all. We got to fight through going back into rehab and remaining in God's rehabilitation chamber so that we won't have trivial pursuits. But then he goes and Jesus does something beautiful as he goes through talking about the nature of the bread of life. He gives several ways in which this bread satisfies you. This is dope. He, he, he gives several ways in which this bread gives life, several types of life that I just want to spend a few minutes in. He says, he says up in verse 37, these, these are some banging verses. He says, let me just read verse 35. He says, I am the bread of life who comes, who, who comes to me, he who comes to me shall not hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. So this bread is so banging that when you eat it, it don't make your, your soul dry like physical bread, make your mouth dry and make you thirst. This bread is so dope that it takes care of hunger and thirst. Then he says, I said to you that you have seen me and yet you do not believe. Again, Jesus is going to say believe. Listen, belief is not just to save you. Belief is to keep you. It's to keep you. You got to continue believing. God always puts you in counters where you have to believe him. And the more you grow spiritually, the harder it is to believe him. And you got to be willing to jump over the hump of belief. You got to do it. And it's never, you think it was going to get easier and God was going to let up. He's he wants to, why, why does he take us through trials? It says, Count it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, longevity, steadfastness, and let endurance have its perfect work in you. In other words, you're in, you're in the aerobic exercise of faith. God speeds up the treadmill the more endurance you get. And the more, and, and, and the more endurance you get, the more you have to fight to stay on the treadmill. You got to fight to stay on the treadmill, fam. Check out what he says, though. Jesus talks about the type of life that it is. He said, all that the Father gives to me shall come to me. And the one that comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. Say ume. I like this verse because it says, Jesus says, all that the Father gives to me, first off, the Father has to give you to Jesus. That's number one. We'll talk about that further in a second. The Father has to give you to Jesus. If the Father is giving you over to Jesus, you will come to Jesus. He's, Jesus says, the one that comes to me, I will ume out. I will never, ever. It, in the Greek language, 
it, it, it reads umay, but to us it's like a double negative. Like if you tell your mama, I ain't got no, what's your mama say? Ain't no such thing as a I ain't got no. But in the Greek language, a double negative is not a positive. In the Greek language, a double negative overemphasizes how much something can never happen. So when Jesus, Jesus says, all that the Father gives to me shall come to me, and they will come to me, and I will never know, never know, never know, never cast out. You mind, fam. In other words, you're, you, 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 you have not just the bread of life, but under the nutrients of the bread of life, one of the minerals, one of the vitamins of it is secured life. Oh, y'all going to get me with me in a second. See, see, secured life, oh, man, I've been in so many relationships. I've known so many people that they drop the dime, they want to divorce the relationship. But I'm so glad that Jesus Christ is so banging with his is that he will never cast me out. No, you can never lose your salvation. No, you never lose your relationship with God. You're never in danger of it. It's secured life. Secure. You're secure, fam. Some of y'all been waiting for God to wig out on you and kick you out of his bosom because you're used to small letter, B-R-E-A-D, kicking you out. But we're not talking about small letters. We're talking about capital letters, B-R-E-A-D, secure life. Jesus Christ provides the vitamin of secured life. Oh, he loves you. Yes, he does. When you come into a relationship with him, he, he's not always looking for a reason for you not to be around. He makes the keeping of our salvation his responsibility, not our responsibility. See, if it was my responsibility and my works, I'd have been kicked out the first day I trusted Jesus. But I'm so glad that Jesus held my hand, held me real tight, and took care of a brother. Because I done lost it a bunch of times, fam, if it was on me. But I'm so glad that Jesus Christ provides secure life. Secure life. But not only does he give secure life, the other mineral is resurrection life. Resurrection life. Look at, look at verse 38. He says, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me. Jesus says, this is my mission. This is my mission. Jesus always says, this is the will of him who sent me. This, whenever you see that terminology in the Gospels, you saw it earlier. This is in verse 29. Uh, believe on him who he has sent, who the Father has sent. That's Jesus Christ's missionary efforts. Jesus is on a mission. Jesus is on a special ops mission to do what the Father told him to do. And the first thing he was going to do is secure life. Now he's going to resurrect life because it says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but I raise up on the last day. Jesus, the Father, listen, the Father is holding Jesus accountable on making sure that we're fully redeemed. <laughs> that don't sound like much. That don't sound like much, does it? But when your taste buds have been eating of the nutrition of the living bread, that's big, that, those big words right there. Because listen, that means my frustrations of wanting the crack of small letter B-R-E-A-D won't always be like this. I won't always be in this struggle. When, when he's talking about, he says that I keep you. He says not only that I secure you for salvation, but that I see the fullness of your salvation all the way to completion where God takes our redeemed inner man and puts on top of it, take, take a suit that he's building because he is gone to prepare a place for you. And the place is not just a physical, uh, a physical city, but also a physical spirit body. And he's going to say, try this on. And you're going to put your new suit on. And this is going to be the B, the big B-R-E-A-D satisfaction for eternity where the devil can't bring any, any, any issues to it anymore. He can't tip this new body no more because Jesus has taken responsibility for comprehensive renewal. He said, if you eat, he says, I don't just help you to grow up strong like milk talks about. He says, matter of fact, my nutrients are so banging, I give you a new body. That's bananas. I mean, 
Think about that. I mean, all the stuff we eat, all the stuff we take to get more healthy, Jesus Christ said, look, that's all good. I want you to take care of your temple and all that's good. But if you eat of this bread by faith, listen, I'm telling you right now that I'm going to give you a brand new spanking healthy body. If you want true, comprehensive, resurrection, healthy life, then eat this bread. Continuously walking by faith. So the Father holds Jesus responsible to bring our lives full circle. Jesus brings total renewal to every area of our lives. And then the sovereignty of God gives us the ability to recognize the gospel. Let's look at this. He goes down and it says, the Jews, therefore, were grumbling. That's a sign of unbelief. Whenever you see grumbling, that's a sign of their lack of belief, pointing back to numbers where the people grumbled. But Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. Why? Because that's a sign of unbelief. So the people were grumbling. It says, and they were grumbling about him. Wow. They were grumbling not about the small letter B-R-E-A-D, but the big letter B-R-E-A-D. And they couldn't taste and they couldn't understand understand the value, listen, of secure life and resurrected life, so they grumbled because they thought Jesus Christ was giving them some jacked up bread. (laughs) They thought that bread that Jesus was going to give was going to be bread that's spoiled. You know how when you get the bread, you know, and you, you check it, you had it for a minute, and like I open the bread sometimes, and I'll sniff it, right, to make sure it's straight, especially if we had it for a minute. And, you know, first thing I check is the softness of the bread. But then after I check the softness of the bread, like if it's starting to get that, you know how that, that little knock on wood feel? So it little different little areas of it getting hard. So I smell it, and it'll have a twinge of that little soury smell. And I'll be, you know, back, I'm like, this is good. You know, I'm good. <laughs> but then, like, you know, sometimes you have the bread all the way at the back end, you know, with a piece of green on it. You know what I'm saying? But you're like, oh, this is good because the bread up front don't have, you know, the green pieces on it. So, you know, I can eat the front bread because the back bread bad. So what you do is you take, you check the bread and inspect every piece of bread, take all the good bread out, throw that bread out, start you a new Ziploc bag of bread and, and hold it for its own freshness. <laughs> we're so used, we're so used to work and to keep things fresh. So used to it. We're so used to it. But Jesus says, I'll keep things fresh for you if you believe. Oh, y'all don't, y'all don't hear me in here. Jesus, see, Jesus bringing some brand. See, you can't feel this. Listen, let me tell you something. You can't feel this if you've never tasted of the bread and experienced it beyond the bread that you've been experiencing. But listen, if, if, you, if you didn't have to, listen, Jesus wants to provide a bread that you didn't bake, that you didn't cook, that you didn't knead, that you didn't put. He wants to provide secure bread and he wants to provide resurrection bread. Oh, I'm loving the bread of life. I'm loving the bread of life. I don't know about y'all, but I'm loving this brand spanking new bread. But then he goes forth and he says, and, and, and Jesus, he said, listen to what he said. This is kind of something I am, the bread of life that came down from heaven. Man, man, we used to play with him back in the day. That's Joseph's and Mary's little dude. Come here, remember I, t- I tore Jesus' butt up when he, and he ain't do nothing, though, because it was somebody else, because he's always perfect. Y'all missed that. Then verse verse 43, Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. He said, stop, um, stop. He said, stop. He said, stop diminishing this thing. Then Jesus says, listen, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I raise him up on the last day. Listen, Jesus says, you can't appreciate this bread that I'm talking about if the father hasn't given you the aroma of the fact that he's been breaking this eternal bread. Matter of fact, God has to transform you so that you can want the bread. God has to give you new taste buds. That means some stuff should become nasty to you. I remember when I first started drinking, co- drinking coffee. And I'm a, I love coffee. Man, I was drinking some Folgers back in the day, you know. I, I, I drank all of that. And, man, freeze-dried coffee, man. And as I, I began to progress in my coffee um, connoisseurism, um, <laughs> um, I, I learned that, 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 that good coffee has oil on the top of it. 
And, 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 and I, I love that type of coffee um, because, because now when I, when I drink, the and I, it has a richer flavor. You know, like Ethiopian coffee has a lemony floral taste to it. You know, um, Blue Mountain has a mountainy taste to it. Kona, ha, Kona coffee, stay with me, I'm going somewhere with all this. Kona coffee has a volcanic taste to it because some of it is grown near volcanoes. In other words, I began because, and so um, my father one time put on some Folgers. I drank that Folgers and almost spit it all up on his curtains. I mean, because, but, but the issue is, I, I, I didn't know that for so long, I've been drinking some world-renowned coffee. I've been drinking some coffee that little did I know, I didn't even know, it changed my taste buds. I mean, I had been graduating, and I started, and I said, all I can drink is certain types of coffee. But when I tried to drink the old coffee, it didn't taste the same anymore. Oh, y'all going to hear me in a second. Listen, if you've tasted of the brand spanking new bread that Jesus tastes, he'll give you a brand new taste. The Father will draw you with his aroma. He'll draw you with his taste so that when you taste stuff that used to satisfy you said, yeah, I, I, I. some of y'all like this. I don't even want to eat over there because I get full, but I don't like the food. Uh, see, God does something powerful in our lives is he stops us from seeking to be full physically and points us to the fact that we need to be full spiritually, but your taste buds have to change. If you're just greedy, you'll eat anything. You don't, you don't, I mean, you don't have no connoisseur eternal. We need some eternal connoisseurs in this piece. You know, we need some people that, that, that has, has had the gourmet bread of eternity. See, if once you start tasting Jesus as the gourmet bread, a, a, as the soul food bread, listen, you won't like just any old type of bread. Or everything else will be bland, no seasonings, no taste. But when you know what Jesus tastes like, then you'll begin to experience life in a whole brand new way to where you'll begin to easily push away something that used to be crack in your life. Bread, capital B-R-E-A-D, versus small letter, B-R-E-A-D. And he says, it is written, he said, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be taught of God. Everyone who has heard from the Father comes to me. Jesus now says, <coughs> I don't only give secure life. It's not the only nutrient that I give. I not only give resurrection life, but I also give nourishing life. Nourishing life. <clears throat> the prophets say in Isaiah 40, I mean 54, 13, that the Father, which this Jesus fully fulfills this passage, the Father is the one who feeds us. Now, how does God feed us? This is good. Stay with me. Don't turn over there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27 talks about something called an anointing. Now, we have heard the word anointing thrown around all over the place. This person is anointed. That person has the anointing. Oh, she's so anointed. Oh, he's so anointed. Oh, but the Bible says that you, plural, talking to everybody that's a Christian, have received an anointing from God. Then he specifies what that anointing is designed to do. He says, you have an anointing from God that you don't need nobody to teach you. Now, he's not saying that you don't need teachers because Ephesians chapter 4 says God provided teachers as a gift to the body. He's not talking about the act of didactic teaching from a pulpit or a microphone. He's talking about the ability, the anointing, the, the biblical anointing is new taste buds that can tell when something isn't eternally taste worthy or, 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 or otherwise. In other words, when you taste something that's jacked up, the anointing is your tongue, your spiritual tongue that's able to spit out anything jacked up that's being taught. But what you have the ability to do is say, oh, that's, mm, mm. The anointing gives you the ability to say, yo, this is on point. In other words, God connects the teaching through not only it being brought to you by information, but it gets in your life for the purpose of 
transformation. That's the real anointing. So it says here that, that, that people will be taught by God. Then in verse 46, it says, not that any man has seen the Father except the one who, who is from God. He has seen the Father. Jesus is repeating a bunch of stuff because they don't believe. So he's repeating. He's repeating. He says, listen, you've never seen him. You don't even know what the Father is like. That's why you jacked up because you haven't come to me. He says in verse 47, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He says it again. He says, your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died. He said, the thing that you've been seeking for still causes death. But if you come to me, I'll give you life. Verse 50, he says, this is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Nourishment, y'all. I am, ego I me, the living bread. He says, I'm not talking, he even tells him, I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm not talking about what you're used to. I'm talking about something that comes from heaven that I want to provide. And I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. Jesus says, it came out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he said, this is brand spanking new bread. He says, so you got to have the right taste buds, but you got to be willing to eat and you got to be willing to swallow. He shall live forever. He says, this won't nurture you just so that you can go to another meal, but it will keep feeding you eternally. Then he says, and the bread also which I shall give for life is for life of the world. It's my flesh. The cross. The cross. Every believer has to eat of the cross. The cross is the living bread. The cross, the gospel, the truth about Jesus is that bread. He says the thing you have to eat is something. You have to eat physical death, not spiritual death. Then he says in verse 42, he says, the Jews therefore began to argue with one another saying, how can he, how can he say this to us? In other words, they started thinking of cannibalism, but if they did their math, they'd have known that Jesus ain't big enough to feed a nation. Like all of them were going to be in the cross. Let me get a piece. Right? You know, I mean, he wasn't saying that. He said, I am the living bread. Still didn't understand life because they still understood life, oh man, on a temporal level. Then he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of, my, of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink, nourish, this is nourishment, y'all, drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He's talking about belief. This is the core of belief. He says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food, the cross. My blood is true drink, the blood off the cross. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He says, as the living father, the living father, not an earthly father, sent me. There's the mission again, the mission to die on the cross. He says, I live because of the father. So he who eats me, eat me, he also shall live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven. Not as your fathers ate, small letter F, and died. For he who eats this bread shall live forever. Do you want to eat today? Is Jesus nasty? Is he bland? Is he too done? Is he undercooked? Does he need to be put in the microwave to be warmed up some more? Or is he the perfect temperature for you to eat? Not only is the, does Jesus give secure life, not only does he give resurrection life, not only does he give nourishing life, but he gives relational life. He said, he who abides in me, I abide in him. Abide just means to remain, and I'm not going to teach that right now because we're going to talk about it in John 15. Is Jesus is not standing far away and far back. He wants to be up close in dynamic relationship with you. 
2 Peter chapter 1, remember our, our message on evaluation and application. Jesus Christ wants to give epinosis, true knowledge, which is him on the cross dying, and that being nurturing food to transfer you from spiritual darkness to spiritual light, but continue to keep you out of the darkness as you continue to live a life by faith, a life lived in light of the gospel, not just for justification, but for sanctification, for an everyday process, for spiritual growth, to eat of him, to be nourished off of him. And some of us, our lives are so spiritually anemic because we don't eat anymore. We don't eat anymore. We don't read anymore the word of God. The word of God is boring to some of us. The Bible is boring. As soon as God talk starts up, your eyes get watery. It trips me out how God has brought redemption in some of, some of my, 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 my Christian hip-hop brothers because the cats are listening to the boringest dudes. Dude to be, and God said that the word became flesh. And it was like, oh, you hear that dude? And I'm, I mean, and they're not tired of hearing this boring. I mean, this dude sound all boring, but, but because their taste buds has been changed and they know what nourishment is and the anointing is telling them, I know it sounds boring, but if you listen in, the taste buds jump because this identifies with what I've been nourished on on this gourmet meal called Jesus. See, when you know you're growing spiritually is when you can be around boring worship music. That I mean, worship music that don't eat, you don't even like it. It ain't even your flavor. But you see the cross in it. You see Jesus in it. You see resurrection in it. You see the, the attributes of the Father in it. And you jump up on your feet and you're in the congregation. Everybody else quiet. And you're looking at that thing like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You look at, listen, let me tell you something. When your taste buds are changed, you'll mess up a place. Some of you just flat foot need to get in your Bible. And you need to tarry. The reason why it's boring is because you don't have enough of it in you to, to activate the taste buds that Jesus gave you as salvation. But you might need to be saved. But I'm going to just give a few applications. We're going to takeaways. This is what I want you to think through this week. First off, you need to admit you have trivial pursuits. <laughs> you got to just admit it. Like, if you go to any support group, the first thing you got to do is admit you got a problem. You got to admit you have trivial pursuits. Next thing that I want you to do this week is I want you to identify one passion and pursuit that you have. Identify one. Just one. We, I'm not even, we're not trying to, don't over, because if you start with one, everything else, one. One that you've been pursuing. Then honestly write down why you're passionate about it. Write down, why am I passionate, why am I so passionate about this thing? Why does this, when it's brought up, like, I'll, like if, if it's not even a conversation with people I know, I'll eavesdrop on it because I'm so passionate about that particular thing. Then I want you, and you might need some help with this, and it's okay, it's okay. That's the grace of God. Jesus says, come to him. He won't cast you out. Now, next, I want you to biblically evaluate its significance, whether or not that passion or that pursuit is significant. So, number one, I'm going to say it again. Admit you have trivial pursuits. And number two, identify your number one passion and pursuit in life. Honestly, honestly write down why you're passionate about it. Don't, you know, some of us so spiritual, we want to, we, 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 like when we take a test, we know what the, no, honestly write down why you're passionate about it. Biblically evaluate it. So you might have to get a, a, a concordance or a topical index or talk to some other Christians and say, where in the Bible can I find something around, you know, it may be something real, real specific, but still getting some help to see how does the Bible speak of that passion? And then ask God to nurture in you a heart for eternal pursuits in this particular area of your life. Or if it's not something that a Christian should be pursuing, ask him to eject it from your life and put in a new number one pursuit. Proverbs 31 says, God over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the issues of life. He's not talking about just guarding what comes in it. 
It assumes that it has something in it, but it's talking about watch what comes out of it. Therefore, you got to watch what comes in it. <laughs> so now you got to guard over your heart, guard over your passions, guard over your desires. As we, as we go through life, all we want to do as Christians is we want to have eternal pursuits rather than trivial pursuits. Father, we thank you for at salvation, changing our taste buds. Help us to walk in the reality of those taste buds. Help the cross to be tasty to us. <laughs> Help Jesus stuff. We're not talking about fanaticism, false revival, emotionalism, throwing yourself into a frenzy. Lord, we're just, we're just, talking, about, we're just talking about being nurtured, off of Jesus being the true bread of life and allowing our taste buds to continuously be lined up with what you've been self-sufficiently supplying yourself with for eternity. Oh, God. Help us, God. Help us, God, to really want it. Some of us are in dead spots in our spiritual lives in this room, God. Some of us are, have been in the gutter and because we have been doing maintenance on our life. Some people in here have been, you've just been doing maintenance. Lord God, help us not to, not to try to manage our own lives. Help us not to do maintenance on things that will keep us thirsty and keep us hungry. We're not divorcing ourselves from the reality of earthly needs. But you said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. And all of its righteousness and all of these things, which in the passage you said food and covering, will be added to you if you put the kingdom first. So, God, even in getting the eternal bread, you provide temporal bread. And many of us are in situations where you're not providing for us because you're not a priority. God, help us to dig in this week. Help us to dig in this week. Help us to evaluate our pursuits and re-rig our lives. Somebody's major might need to change. Somebody's job situation might have to change. Somebody's boyfriend, girlfriend relationship have to change. Lord, renew marriages that are stale with the bread of earth and renew it with the hot bread of Jesus. Renew our lives. Help us to be a crowd, not just rowdy and cool, God, with the forms of coolness. But God, help us to be laced with the nutrition of the bread that Jesus provides, secure life, resurrection life, nourishing life, and relational life. That's what we need, Lord God. May your name, may your kingdom be what we're in hot pursuit of. Oh, we love you, Lord God. We bless your name, Lord God, and we pay high attention to things, Lord God, and we want to, we want to find solace in you and you alone, Lord God. Help us not to, to, to talk ourselves out of your bread. Because it's so easy to have our hearts convicted by the word and then a person that's not eating of the true bread. Help us to shoot lower for the crack of earthly bread. May your name be honored. May your name be glorified. God be praised. Center us on Jesus. Invade us with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let us very fittingly prepare our hearts for communion.